1 Peter 3, starting at verse 15. <clears throat> but in your hearts revere Christ our Lord as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. The second reading comes from Matthew 9. We start at verse 1. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought him a paralysed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want to know that the, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralysed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to man. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call the righteous, but sinners. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is this that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunken cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour the new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. While he was saying this, the synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her, put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up went with him and so did his disciples. Just then a woman had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. Jesus said to her, Jesus said to herself, she, she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak I'll be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart daughter, he said, your faith has healed you and the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leaders, synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he said, Go away, the girl, is, the girl is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him.
Thanks for that, Peter. And um, yeah, I've already said good morning, so that's good. If you're um, you're a visitor here, um, friends and you I want to just step you through two things. Obviously, uh, tense moment for our community in the service to this point. Uh, you're also stepping into a, a, a preaching series that we're doing um, that we are calling Organic Outreach, and it really thinks about uh, how do we share the love of God with our friends, our family, um, who, who don't know uh, or at least not feel or have not experienced uh, the love of God in Jesus, his son. So we're talking about evangelism. Uh, to summarise, I guess, previous sermons in, in one word, for each, uh, we, we spoke firstly about love in the first sermon. Then we spoke about prayer and how prayer forms part of this work. Last week we spoke about uh, enter. How do we enter the lives of people uh, who do not know Jesus in terms of spending time with them and so forth. Uh, today and next week, uh, we'll do a part A and a part B of the same word. And the key word for today and next week Key word in how do we share the love of God with those who do not know Jesus. Here's the key word, speak. Words. What does God ask of us to say <laughs> to those who do not know Jesus? Um, where does speaking, sharing, come part of, of your life as a Christian? And if you're not a Christian here today, I'm going to speak to you as well uh, at points throughout this message. Um, I'd love for this to be helpful to you too in understanding your Christian friends and family around you. More than that, perhaps understanding the God uh, whom they love and worship. The first reading that Peter gave to us this morning was this. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. If you're a Christian... Can I just ask you, have you ever imagined or let your imagination run what sort of scenario would that be? When will someone ask you to give you a reason for the hope that you have? What scenes do you picture in your mind of, of what that may look like in your life? I don't know why, but, but I, I've often thought Courtroom setting, you know, um, debates, some of the stuff we read in our media. What are the places where, where we get to and, and need to talk about God in our lives, talk, have spiritual conversations? And here's my pitch, here's what I'm going to suggest to you today. Spiritual conversations, opportunities to talk about God, church, faith, spirituality, religion, if that's what works for the person you're talking to. These opportunities are abundant. They're abundant if we can learn to recognise them for what they are and how we can talk in a way that doesn't freak us or the person out. Opportunities to have spiritual conversations are abundant if we can recognise them for what they are and find the ways in which we can talk about God, the hope that we have, in a way that's natural to us, right? 
That's the pitch for today. And I'm going to give you five ways in which this can perhaps be uh, more true of us and might draw us to want to talk about God. I recognize I'm asking you today to shift significant gears from where we've been to where we're going. Um, I guess had I had more time, we would have preached a different sermon today. But let's do the best we can uh, for the time we have in this material. All right. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Five things. Number one, when we talk, when we have a spiritual conversation, when we want to talk about God to someone who does not know him, um, it should be organic. I've already hinted at that. That conversation, whatever it's going to be, needs to be somewhat natural, somewhat non-forced, someone, somewhat uh, just happens almost by itself, if you like. Have a look at this little YouTube clip that I just want to run, and then I'll talk again. Evangelism in this day and age can be really... With someone, if you are going to have a spiritual conversation, that's how not to do it. It's a sort of just, even at the very least, opening up our eyes to say that there are ways in which this... We think we can do this that are completely and utterly unhelpful. If, if you're a non-Christian person in the room today and you've had that done to you, you'd go, yeah, I know, it doesn't work. Trust us, don't do it, right? Whatever way we're going to talk about God, whatever way we're going to give the hope that we have, uh, it kind of needs to be organic, flow naturally. Uh, hey, what did you do on Sunday? Oh, I went to church. Awkward silence. No follow-up question. Bit of a negative body language. Great. What did you do on Sunday? <laughs> I went fishing. Tell me about your fishing. You like fishing, etc. Yeah. That was a spiritual conversation, by the way. And you pressed on and said, "Oh, do you go to church? You should go to church, you know, and, and make that person more and more awkward." No, no. The follow-up question was, why do you go to church? What do you, what do you get out of church? Well, I, I love growing and experiencing more of God in my life, and going to church is a big part of that. Um, person seems open, receptive. Have you had a history of church or, or Christianity? See where the conversation go, right? Maybe that's just the social art of conversation, how to have a comfortable conversation with a person. That whichever way we go, that's a spiritual conversation. Keep it organic. Keep it natural. Let it flow. And one way to enhance that is, is to keep in mind the second point. Spiritual conversations, talking about God, happens at, at many, many different levels. Here's a graph that uh, two blokes, James Engel and Wilbert Norton, uh, produced. Uh, you know... This isn't, the Bible doesn't say this, okay, so I just want to clarify that. But this is what they have compiled out of a lot of research from people who, who aren't Christians and how evangelism gets done. They, they came up with this spectrum of places where people are in, in terms of what they understand about God, uh, if they have become Christians from from absolutely nowhere near anything spiritual or nowhere near God. These are some of the stages that they had to journey through. You and I, each of us, in one way or another, journeyed through them as well in our process of saying yes to Jesus and becoming children of God, right? Maybe you can pick them as I just quickly explain to you how it works. But 
Here's how it works. The sort of uh, steps, starts, a person might have no awareness of God. They might move to some awareness of God. Look, I think there is something out there. I think maybe, you know, there could be a God out there. I'm aware of that. I'm kind of okay with it. Uh, they might be on that point anywhere on this scale between being very closed or very open. Okay, so that's another thing to keep in mind. person might be very closed, very open. They could be very open or somewhat open and say, yeah, I think I'm aware that there is a God somewhere out there. Uh, from there, the next step is an initial awareness of the gospel, saying, yeah, actually, I'm aware that there is a person called Jesus. I think the latest research says that one in 11 Australians at the moment have never heard the name Jesus. They wouldn't know who he is. wouldn't they even know that a person existed in history named Jesus. One in 11, I think. Uh, moving up to awareness of the basics of the gospel. Do you know that God loves you? He sent his son to die for you so that you can experience him, have a relationship with him. Right? That those are basics of, of, of what the gospel says, the gospel, the good news about Jesus. Uh, moving on to grasp the implications of the gospel. Well, if that's true, if Easter is true, well, it means that my son might be doing very well today after he took his life on Friday. That's an implication, right? I understand that. I understand the power of it. I also understand what it means for my life and how I am to live, my purpose, what God is calling me to now. These are implications, right, of, of all that truth once they're grasped. Then, you know, a person might move on to personal problem recognition, you know, I recognize that my life, I don't, I don't, I want this life. And, and I recognize that I can't have this life and, and, unless Christ, Christ enters into my heart and, and changed me and birthed me anew. And I want that. I see my life now as a one that I don't want to live. I want to live that life and, and I want to make the change, right? A person moves to that. Eventually, repentance and faith in Christ. And then, you know, we're in the positive side of that spectrum. Uh, once a person has taken that step, maybe you know that from your life, you doubt it. Did I do the right thing? Was it a good thing? Is it working? Is it everything they said it would be? We, we, we think through those things. And only then, interestingly, only then, incorporation into the body of Christ. Do you know how many years could have gone into those first number of steps? Decades? I'm not saying we wait to invite people into church, but it might take a very long time. According to Engels and Norton, it takes a long time before they say, yeah, I want to be part of a family in Christ. But that comes eventually, and from there, growth just continues and as discipleship continues and we lead others to Christ. Here's the point. You know, I, my point in sharing this with you, and, and, and I, the, the, the producers of it's the same, it's not to categorise people, it's not to pigeonhole people. It's not to say that if we know the signs of how people come to know Christ that we will be more effective. It's simply this. Not everyone you speak to who doesn't know Jesus is in the same place. Too, too often Christians have made the assumption, you know, there's Christians and non-Christians. All non-Christians are the same. Right? It's the same story, the same script you need to say to all of them. The truth is that they're not. <laughs> 
That's why it's so important to listen, as we said last week, to understand who is this person? What are their problems? What are their challenges? What are their hurts? What are the places that they currently sit in? And here's what I'm pitching for you today. Often we feel nervous about spiritual conversations. We're afraid of them because we're trying to have the wrong conversation with the wrong person at the wrong time. You know, if you know this person who you've been praying for for so long and with whom you've spent a lot of time with and who's come to love you and trust you and, and increasingly open to what you have to say about God is, is in a good place, if you know that, it's not all that nerve-wracking to say to that person who's somewhere here, hey, how about we read the Bible together for a few weeks at a time? That, that should almost be the natural progression, right? But try and say that to the person who's here, you have a reason to be nervous. Because it's going to be awfully awkward. And they're probably going to reject you. They're probably going to, maybe at worst, even pound you over the head. Right? So for that person, the much more natural conversation is, you know, can I, can I look after your kids while you're taking your wife for chemotherapy. just want to help you, love you, bless you. Don't want to. Right? It's an example. But you get the drift. Knowing where a person is at, knowing what level, if you like, or what place they're at with Christ, feeds into the type of spiritual conversations we will or that we will not have with any given person. There's just a point to keep in mind that will help us to to foster organic conversations as we look to have them with friends and with family. Number three, we've had to be organic. Happens at many levels. Number three, talking about our pain and brokenness. Can I read to you just a story from this book that we're basing a lot of these sermons on? It's called Organic Outreach for Ordinary Christians. It gives this little story. A dear friend of the author named Karen, shared a story that vividly brought this truth to life for me, this truth about talking about your pain and your brokenness. Karen has been praying for God to open a door for a spiritual conversation, but Cindy had been fairly resistant, tending to shut down. Cindy is Karen's hairdresser. Okay? Cindy, the hairdresser, had been fairly resistant, tending to shut down when spiritual topics came up. One day, Karen was heading in to have her Nails done, not hair, nails. Have her nails done, but was unsure whether she should even go. Her daughter had battled a life-threatening illness for over two decades and she had just received some difficult news from the doctors. Since she was feeling weak and discouraged, Karen didn't want to show her true self to Cindy. She was afraid that Cindy would see her weakness and be turned off to the Christian faith. Despite her concern... Karen decided she could put on a bold outer appearance and make it through the appointment without breaking down. But when Karen sat down to have her nails done, Cindy innocently asked, so how are you going? And that was all it took. The floodgates broke and Karen's pain and struggle came pouring out. She wept, ended up telling Cindy all about her journey with her daughter whom she loved so much. But here's the amazing thing. As Karen told her story, 
her faith came through. Organically. She talked about how she never could make it through all the years and all the tests and all the uncertainty without Jesus walking at her side, holding her hand each step of the way. Karen and Cindy's friendship moved to a whole new level as Cindy was able to care for Karen. It also deepened because the two women were able to have significant spiritual conversation that included the topics of pain, struggle, God's sustaining power, the grace of Jesus in hard times. How often do you think as a Christian that only the appealing good sides about my life is what non-Christians want to hear and would help me to talk spiritually about spiritual conversations? Not true. Your pain and your brokenness is probably a better thing to talk about with your non-Christian friends. The stuff that you don't understand, the stuff that does hurt you, and the hope that despite those things you still have, that God still plants in you, that's powerful. <laughs> so we talk about our pain. We talk about our brokenness. We don't put on a fake pretend face to the unbelieving world that our lives are perfect. We share it. And who knows what God does with those conversations as he shapes them organically. That's number three. Number four. Having spiritual conversations includes talking about uncertainty. Now, Peter, I owe you an apology I think I gave you the wrong Bible reading for this morning, and you've read it so well. <laughs> I should add as well. <laughs> um, I'm going for John, not Matthew. Um, in Matthew, there was, um, there's a story about Jesus uh, healing a blind man, and the bad guys in the story keeps wanting to get up him for reasons I won't go into today about why he did this and he shouldn't do it, and this blind man was a sinner, and Jesus is a sinner, and he can't do what he's doing. Anyway, they interrogate this blind man who Jesus gave sight to. And in the end, here's what this blind man says. This, John 9 verse 25. He replied, Whether he, this is Jesus, is a sinner or not, I don't know. But here's one thing I do know. I was blind, and now I see. How exactly God created the world and how the dinosaurs fit in and how science and all that stuff works, I don't really know. But here's what I do know. My life has an incredible value and purpose and meaning in the design and arms and heart and mind of one who loves me, who made me, to whom I'm going to return one day. And I can't live without that meaning, that purpose, that hope. I don't know this, but I do know that. God's never asking you to share anything with anyone that you do not know, or in fact that you cannot even know. But what you do know, share that. Talk about that. Right? Again, let's sit in our hurt this morning. I, I don't know why my son took his life on Friday. But how do we hope and pray that the Camerons can say, here's what we do know. We do know that we have hope. That we may see our son one day again. <laughs> we will be reunited with him. 
We don't see how rejecting God is going to give us any more hope. So yes, we don't know that. But we do know this. <laughs> and you can know it too. Because that's what he seeks for you. Right? You don't have to be concerned or not share or not talk about God or spirit, spiritual stuff because of stuff you do not know. Whether you don't know them yet or whether they can't be known, don't let it stop you. Right? Lastly, uh, when you talk about spiritual stuff with people, questions. Ask questions. Remember, you don't have to know everything and a big part of it is listening. What's going well in your life right now? What do you enjoy? What's difficult? What hurts? What is your history with, with religion, with God, with church? What do, you, what do you believe about God? I'd love to know. What do you think about Christians? Don't be defensive, right, when you go to ask questions. Listen, what do you think about the church? What do you think about Christians? All right, those are the five things. Spiritual conversations. Whenever we talk about God, when the topic about the hope that we have comes up, let our conversations be organic, natural, unforced, non-contrived. Remember that you can have that at many levels and, and, and you need to get to know a person Sometimes to work out which is the fruitful spiritual conversation to have and which isn't. Talk about our pain and our brokenness. Share our uncertainty. Ask questions. Let me now finish off uh, this message and draw you close to the end of our service. I want to talk to two groups of people as I finish. Uh, firstly, I'm going to talk to you if you're a Christian today. And I'm then going to talk to you if you're not a Christian <laughs> Because there are non-Christians among us. There always is. There should be. That's what we want. And we love having you here. Firstly, if you're a Christian. Know that God is calling you to talk about him with people. That's true for all of us. Know that you can do that if, to recap, you spend time with people, if you're praying for people, and if you love people with the love that Jesus has for them this is what he's calling you to do. Now, here's a quote from uh, Bill Hybels. I'm going to quote Bill Hybels today. There's nothing in life that is as exciting as befriending, loving, and leading people towards faith in Christ. Nothing. Christian friend, can I ask you to just think about the force of that statement? Think about the highlights of your life. What do you find most exciting and what have you found most exciting in life? This quote is saying to us that <laughs> befriending, loving, leading people towards faith in Jesus, there is nothing as exciting as that in all of life. Right? It's a powerful statement. And yet, I personally believe it. I do. There is no sermon that I can preach. There is no sermon that you can hear. There is no spiritual experience that you can have other than coming to Jesus, I think, with faith in the first time. There's no song we can sing. There's no study we can have. In fact, there's no purpose that your life can serve that is as exciting as bringing people to Jesus. You say, Ed, that's a bit strong, man. You can't tell me that. That's a very strong statement. Maybe not 
off a Bill Hybels quote, but fine, I'll go somewhere else. Think about this, you know, and I'm not going to devalue all other spiritual experience that, that, that we have in sermons and coming to church and those sorts of things, but think biblically. It was when the lost sheep was brought back that the joy was found, right? When the lost coin was found, when the son who left came back, <laughs> that's the party. There's the joy. There's the excitement. There comes the encouragement and the stuff that makes us go, yes, actually, that's why we do this. Because it's great. It is great. And so when it comes to talking or having spiritual conversations with people, what's the driver? We said in week one, not fear, not guilt, not we must do this, we get to do this. And we get, by God's grace, perhaps to share in the greatest celebration of all, when that which is lost is found and in his mercy he used us in that process. And that goes for all of what we said so far, not just talking about God, but praying for people, loving people, spending time with people, because that's where the carrots are at. It's where the greatest joy is to be found. Dear non-Christian friends, you're in this place today, I'll speak to you as well. You need to know, you're probably here because you're somewhere on that scale where you're quite open to God. You're in a church building, after all, right? You're loved by the God who created you and his son who came to seek you and to establish a movement that have lasted for 2,000 years with billions of people whose job it is to love you, to pray for you, to make you the person whom God has designed for you to be, to tell you that God wants you to be full, free, confident of your future. He spared no expense to invite you into that reality and is here today inviting you again. And lastly, I assure you that your Christian family and friends desire nothing less for you. Be patient with Christians as they grow and as we learn how to share the love of Jesus with you well. Help us, bear with us, and know that you are loved. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray for the times which we can speak and have spiritual conversations about you. We admit sometimes they fill us with dread, sometimes with fear, sometimes just apathy. And sometimes we just, plain old, haven't tasted the excitement that we should have when lost things are found. And I pray that we will. I pray that you will continue to stir in us such a love, such a burden, such a, such a desire to want to talk about you, that it would become absolute second nature for us. And we cannot conceive of living our lives in any other way or any different way. And so grow us, Lord. Grow us in desire. Grow us in ability. Grow us in everything you need to grow us so that we, Lord, may sit at that table where you rejoice in collecting that which is lost. Give us great discernment, great sensitivity, great wisdom, and at times, great boldness to give an answer to the hope which we have. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.